0: I'm your host Matt and with me as always is my co-host Lana. Hello! This week uh, is a special week.
1: It is a special week. Every week's special but this one's extra special. Do
0: you want to explain why?
1: This week it's Oldham Learning Festival. Which is
0: the town we are from in Greater Manchester, England. Uh And we're one of the Fringe events.
1: We are, but it's also important because it's the first time our town's ever had a learning festival. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: Oh. So so
1: that's nice and new, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so hopefully we've got some listeners from our local community. That's yes. So um, hopefully,
1: and hopefully they've been to the learning festival and they're really enjoying it because it's three days in when this comes out. Oh, is it? Yeah.
0: Sounds like you'll have a blast. I'll and you might be
1: bumping to me or Matt, actually.
0: Wow, how oh, exciting! What a treat. Um, speaking really weird today. I'm oh, sorry. Um, so, you're going to do a podcast report. For anyone who doesn't, uh, who hasn't listened before, um, one of us does a report on a moment of our event or topic from history. It can be a well-known topic or um, might be something less well-known and we'll try and shine some light on it for you. Yep. So, some past topics. Uh, last week, we covered Zelda Fitzgerald, the famous... Mm-hmm author. Um and a couple of weeks ago we've had Peter the Great, we've had the Golden State Killer about the Kennedy um family curse.
1: We've had all sorts really. Yeah. We've been all over the world. All with over it. the
0: world. Yeah. So um what um what's one topic, one episode that you think people should go back and listen to? Ooh. Just self promotion at the start.
1: Ooh, that's a tough one
0: i've got a couple one good of that one from me and one from you i uh really liked your agent 355 episode which i think is about episode somewhere in the twen- early 20s or 19 mm-hmm. or something about an american spy
1: that was a good one
0: and i also like one i did about <laughs> uh, about general Manuel noriega and his pen oh pal. that was
1: a good one as well and i was gonna say the saboteurs of vemark also oh, a yeah. good one
0: so, um, go back and have a listen to them. This week, as I said, Lorna is doing a podcast report. Yeah. And do you want to take over?
1: Yeah, so we're a bit out of order this week, but it's fitting for the Oldham Learning Festival. So, this week I'm going to do a report on Oldham um, in World War II. So, it's just two key things that I'll cover. But I've just got a little bit of background because some people might not know about Oldham. And I'm very proud of it. So, um, Oldham, our home, that's what oh, I yeah. put, um, has significant World War II history and little's known about it. Um, and i've said it's for two reasons that i'll explain um oldham's a large town in greater manchester it's located between manchester city and the yorkshire countryside and it's home to more than 30 parks and green spaces and is a center for performing arts and further education so that's quite a good proper
0: big enough old, you, right? it's
1: a good place to live and we win bloom uh, oldham in bloom we've won it a few years
0: we, we win oldham in bloom
1: well We've entered. We might not win. Yeah, but, but I mean,
0: isn't Oldham and Britain Bloom? It's Britain and Bloom. Britain and Bloom okay. Yeah, sorry,
1: but it's called Oldham and Bloom because oh,
0: okay. we were winners. Okay.
1: Um, the town was historically in Lancashire and it rose to prominence as an international centre of textiles manufacturing in the 19th century. Um, Its first mill was built in 1778, and within a year, 11 others had also been built, which is a lot. That's a mill.
0: Yeah, there's mills everywhere, isn't there still?
1: Yeah. Um, it was a Centre for Production of Cotton and Textile Industries in England with the Industrial Revolution. We've got, like, quite good links to cities and transport. At its peak, Oldham was one of the most productive cotton-spinning mill towns in the world, and it produced more cotton than France and Germany combined. Which is a good fact, that isn't it?
0: Not a bad fact. Oh, I'm good. Oldham did. Yeah. Wow.
1: There were over 360 mills operating night and day.
0: That's funny. I mean. Still, how they did it. I remember it. watching one get knocked down when I was younger.
1: Yeah, there's loads, and I think there's been a few fires in ones as well. Oh. Um <laughs> That's
0: cheerful. But they there was one. Yeah, ones. there
1: was one recently that was um, knocked down to make space for Asda in Shaw.
0: Wow. The repurpose the other one in Shaw, the yep. Shady Williams.
1: Part. Yeah, so like a, quite a few are still used, but they are all over. Alden's mm. history also includes hatting, coal mining, structural engineering, mechanical engineering, textile, machinery manufacturing, cotton spinning. So it's quite a industrial place.
0: What is hatting?
1: I'm assuming it means making a hat. Oh,
0: good.
1: Cool. I've got an interesting fact about that. Do you want to know? Yeah. Um. I don't know when it was, but when like people used to make hats, they used to use a chemical to make the hats um, to do the felt. Because I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the fabric felt being made. No. So it's like layers and layers of fabrics, and it's like all worked together. So they used a chemical to support with that, but the chemical would make people um, react badly, and they'd come out like they'd behave unusually, um, and it'd be really bad for them. And that's where the saying "mad as a hatter" comes from
0: is actually yeah is it not to do with the mad hatter
1: in alice in wonderland yeah. no the saying comes from the oh. hat and that's probably why he was called that why he was a mad oh. hatter because he was wearing the hat
0: there you go it's
1: good then isn't it? another but, bit of history
0: that's a bit of trivia for you
1: mm-hmm. um so oldham's history includes hatting oh. the textile industry which oldham was like most of its business was from Declined in the middle of the 20th century after the town was hit hard by Lancashire Cotton Famine. So there was a big famine. Mm-hmm. Many local cotton workers were then employed to construct Alexandra Park, which opened on the 28th of August 1865. Wow. So that's a like quite a famous park in Oldham. And I was there this morning, actually.
0: Was it nice?
1: Yeah, it's nice. Yes. A lot of green space. There's a few things that've been donated as well, like a big rock.
0: Oh um, yeah, the big rock. I've yeah. Seen
1: that. Yeah um yeah i, mean, I like,
0: feel like someone just wants to get rid of that big rock they i f- like,
1: also feel like they wanted it out of the garden you know,
0: like, but how do i is that my like i've tried digging donate it don't eat it donate but it, it
1: took many horses to get that through into that park I can imagine. Um, and also in alexandra park at the minute we have baby herons
0: hmm. so we
1: have two herons and they've had some babies so there's little baby herons on the boating lake
0: that's
1: cute it's nice isn't it oldham's last mill closed in 1998 which isn't even that long that ago. That is not twenty we years alone. ago. Yeah. Um, well, the town is still distinguished arch, arch, architecturally. How do you say that? Yeah. Architecturally. Yeah. Um, by the surviving cotton mills and other buildings from the industry, as we said, uh, and the whole. So back to World War Two, which is the focus. Obviously, oh. the whole of Britain. That was my little bit of okay. Oldham history, but obviously the whole of Britain was impacted by World War Two. But I'm just focusing on Oldham today. Mm-hmm. but we've had some other topics on world war ii
0: we've had denmark in world war ii
1: yeah we had operation tiger mm-hmm.
0: we, had we had soviet rebel um Zinoport Portnova.
1: amy johnson as well there's a little bit about world war Two in hers it's a, bit, world a war bit in
0: the kennedy one about yeah it comes up everywhere yeah. doesn't it really it's a big yeah big event but
1: there's some other ones if you are interested in world war ii to have a listen to so, the first event that I'm going to talk about in Oldham was the flying bomb. So, the last flying bomb of the Second World War landed in Oldham on Christmas Eve 1944 and it was part of a last-ditch attempt to cause damage from the Luftwaffe. Um, the bombs were known as Doodle Bugs and it landed on the corner of Abbey Hills Road and Warren Lane. 27 people died and 49 people were injured according to reports and it destroyed a number of houses. So, in the last ditch attempt, 45 missiles had been launched from Heinkel HE-111 bombers off the coast of Yorkshire. Around 30 of these made it to the target area, but a lot landed harmlessly on the moors, which are huge fields a little bit north of Oldham, pretty much. Uh, And the one that landed in Oldham did the most damage, but it's believed that the original target of the raid was Manchester, but the doodlebugs had fallen Mm. short because they'd run out of fuel.
0: What, um, it seems strange that they would target Oldham, unless it was for the manufacturing.
1: Yeah, also, I don't think it was a priority. I think it was the cities they were going yeah. for. and it, Well, it was a bit of a last-ditch attempt, so I think it was if they could hit anywhere, it would be
0: yeah.
1: a priority. Um, now there's a plaque outside the building where the bomb landed in commemoration, uh, and some of the older buildings also have marks from the shrapnel. Mm. So there's some accounts in newspapers about this, but it just te- generally tends to be that people remember that there was a bomb. Um, but the bomb landed in a house um where there was there was a wedding taking place there was quite a few wedding guests staying in this house and oh. there was one little girl who survived and she w- she went on to um, be associated with this plaque so she was involved in that activity but yeah so th- but this is the last flying bomb of the Second world war
0: I can't imagine that.
1: I know it's quite sad really um, mm.
0: So was it during the night did you say or... yeah on christmas, christmas eve. eve as well Ooh.
1: yeah so
0: i thought this might be a bit of a cheerier episode well
1: yeah. <laughs> so i've only got a little bit on this flying bomb yeah. but the other bits where i've got a bit of information not necessarily a cheery episode it but is
0: world war ii as well it's, it's not, really tough um, it's tough to find a happy time
1: also people don't tend to remember the good stuff they only remember the bad stuff so if you, it tends to be that if you ask anyone who's lived in Oldham, like obviously not our age, but mm-hmm. older, if they, if they remembered anything from the, the war, it tends to be that this is what comes up. Yeah. So this bomb. But the second thing that I'm going to talk about is, doesn't come up as much. So it's that, um, Oldham was the home of a prisoner of war camp, and, um, in the second world war and not a lot of mm. people know that um, and it's about the relationships which developed from this so it was called Glen mill and it was one of the main prisoner of war camps in the northwest of england it was located on willyhole street and constantine street um the mill was built in 1903 as a cotton spinning mill which fits in with Oldham, mm-hmm. um and in 1938 it ceased textile production um and then became a holding space for prisoner prisoners of war really some stayed longer but some were just in holding and mm. um, it could accommodate around 6,000 inmates as a prisoner of war camp and it was home to a variety of prisoners in a short time it housed German and Italian prisoners and also some Russians who had been fighting for the Nazis oh. so there was a real mix but so basically in World War 2 They used to come, they used to bring the prisoners of war through Southampton and then they'd hold them in like camps for a short time. And it was often thought that they were held in Oldham before being sent to like camps in America as well and vice versa. Right. So this one was used.
0: My um, grandma used to um, live in Yorkshire. Um, Mm -hmm. She lived in a town called Jump, a village called Jump. And she used to get the train every morning to work in a mill in Sheffield, I think it was.
1: Whoa, how long did that take?
0: I don't know. It was not, I can't imagine that's that far.
1: She, from here, Sheffield's an hour.
0: Mm, but it was in Yorkshire. She lived in Yorkshire anyway. But um, she said that during the war they used to see... Because she was maybe 14? Yeah. During about this time, 15. And uh, she used to see Italian prisoners of war being taken um hmm. to wherever and they'd, they'd like wave the f- handkerchiefs at them, and like they'd say hello and chat and yeah. stuff but they didn't know what they were saying to each other um, um i've yeah. got
1: at the end there's just a bit of an account from someone that i interviewed for this and they said that they used oh. to see them marching and singing oh really yeah and they, it was like they used to harmonize very well what
0: the italians yeah
1: because apparently they used to march about five miles a day
0: just as 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 prisoners of war.
1: Yeah, so they'd be taken out with like two or three guards with like guns, mm. um, and then they'd march for about five miles through, um, they'd march like around Denshaw and Diggle and places like that, which are places in Oldham. very hilly, very scenic. Why would route. they march?
0: Or like, why would they let them? I, I guess think it's
1: just exercise and just. Yeah. These could... are also like they're prisoners of war, but I think it's not. It wasn't like a.
0: Yeah, they weren't badly treated. No, no, no.
1: It it wasn't like a bad place, really. Mm-hmm. There was only one incident that we know of, which I'll get on to.
0: Right.
1: Um, so it could hold about 6,000. In Christmas 1942, the camp was filled with Italians captured at Libya. And in the summer of 1944, the camp filled with Germans captured at Normandy. In 1950, the mill was acquired by Vita Foam, and it was used to manufacture foam rubber. So that's after the war.
0: Right.
1: And in nineteen seventy the mill was demolished and it now located at the site are piles of red brick, bits of concrete and pieces of iron.
0: Is that from the demolition or
1: I think so. Yeah. That that's basically it, but I've been there and it's just like a street. Just you wouldn't be able to tell there was anything there yeah. in the past.
0: It's strange that a mill became a a prison of war camp. It's Doesn't quite really, I guess it is it makes sense in a way.
1: Yeah, I also think it's quite a good use of the mill after it wasn't used in textiles anymore you'd
0: think that they'd use it for manufacturing during the war though
1: oh yeah yeah but i guess oldham had like 360 at one point so there's quite an abundance of mills um and it's quite a good area like it's it's really hilly where it's located Mm -hmm. um so i don't really think it's necessarily a good transport route to that area like oldham's got quite good transport routes but that one's there's places in Oldham where if it snows, you get a bit stuck. Ah, yes. Um, so it's kind of over that way.
0: Right, okay.
1: So I guess it's good for preventing escapes, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Um. So, but yeah, if you go to the site now, you can just drive past it and not realise anything was there. But yeah. And there's a cemetery across the road, and you can see... Um, People in the cemetery could see over to the prisoners of war. So oh. now you can go into the cemetery, and if you know the area, you'll know that that used to be a prisoner of war camp. But if not, you won't. Right.
0: Um,
1: so I just have some stories for the mi- from the mill. Um, the significant incident which I referenced happened in February 1945 when an inmate was shot dead uh, by a guard. So this is this this is like recorded in the archives um, in London, and um just about this incident
0: so did you go down to the archives or yeah like in London? but
1: this was my dissertation yeah, topic so I, I, did, I did a lot of work on this it sounded like um, you were doing a lot of work for this oh no no and no um i've been waiting to do a report on this actually for a while because this is my little baby um, so the incident of someone being shot came after a roll call, lasted for hours and it's thought that during this German prisoners obstructed the counting in order to cover up an escape attempt. So mm-hmm. uh, when I read accounts of this the guards were saying that they were very disruptive like they wouldn't listen to instructions. Um, uh, They were reported to be- have been restless, loud, disobeying orders insulting the guards and singing Nazi songs. At the inquest the German prisoners disputed this and claimed to have been singing love songs. So it's just a bit of... He said, she said.
0: Yeah, because I'm assuming they were singing songs in German, so...
1: Yeah, (laughs) so they wouldn't know. Uh, Inmates started shuffling towards Gunnar Jeffrey, who was at a sentry post and was armed with a rifle. He challenged the prisoners to halt, but he was ignored and he believed that he was about to be overrun by the mass of prisoners. Um, Therefore, he fired from the hip into the crowd. The bullet hit Paul Hartman and he died instantly. Uh, but an inquest held in April by Gunnar Jeff—I uh, don't know who it was by—I don't know why I wrote that. Um, Gunnar Jaffrey was exonerated.
0: Yeah. It's <sighs> hmm, did did they ever come to get to the bottom of that? No, because
1: these... well they had an inquest and you can read like the the account from yeah. there. Um, but it was just all they said that they were being really disruptive, the guards did, but the Germans yeah. said they were being fine. And I think it was a bit of a shock for someone to die. Mm-hmm, I think they were a definitely. bit, yeah, I think in the camp they were all a bit struck by the shock. And I think Paul Hartman was really liked, actually.
0: Oh, uh, oh yeah.
1: The guy. Which is a bit of a shame, but.
0: Yeah, because a lot of these these happened. men who, who ended up in the prisons of war camp weren't, you know, they were just fighting for the country. They weren't,
1: yeah, and I also think he got caught up in a bigger thing here. Mm. It wasn't
0: he? But we don't know if they were trying to escape. No,
1: no, I don't know. Um, I d- when I did interviews, I did ask if they knew of any escapes, but the, there weren't any known ones to the people that I interviewed.
0: Who did you interview? People from the camp?
1: Or? No, no, couldn't find any from the camp. Um, just people from r- local people oh. who were alive at the time. Ah, oh. I think they were said to be. A few escapes, but they got caught. They didn't right. get very far. Um,
0: I love a good escape attempt.
1: Yeah, it's a good good try.
0: Hmm. It strangely, actually, I didn't know you were doing this topic. I almost for next week's topic because we weren't sure who was going to record first. I uh, I almost chose a an escape. Oh, that's good. From um, something similar. So oh. I'm glad. I didn't. I decided not to do that though. Um, oh, right, okay. Which is good now, because yeah, that is good. You've covered the escape basis, and it's well. I, I've future. just
1: mentioned it briefly, but mm-hmm. um, so just another story. A local lady called Mabel wrote about the harsh winter of 1947 when prisoners would be sent from Glenmill to clear the snow outside of a local hall that her husband was employed to look after. Um, one prisoner of war spoke English, and he explained that he'd been a prisoner for a number of years. He explained that some prisoners came to the camp from Canada, like he had. Um, so it t- some a lot of the stories that we get aren't from people within the camp because this was a short time for them and then they went back to their own country and it's hard to keep a record of who was there yeah. it's more from the local people mm-hmm. came so into contact. yeah so the prisoners of war were used to do jobs in the local community so like there's a lot of stories about them shoveling snow um, <laughs> and i know but there is for a family wedding uh, this prisoner who shoveled no one could speak english also polished a car and he explained that he liked to get out of the camp as it was a nice change
0: yeah i can imagine that yeah. you just you don't want to be stuck in a mill
1: no and then in return for them completing these tasks the local family gave them items like coffee as they didn't have access to these products in the camp or in germany
0: oh um, oh yeah i suppose like rations and everything
1: yeah she, ex- oh, sorry, no? she explained that the prisoners of war were to journey back to Germany for repatriation around March 1947. Uh, following this, the family and the prisoner of war continued to correspond with each other, and she also received a letter of thanks from the mother of the prisoner of war who could not speak English. Oh, Which is quite nice. There's another story about, um, so basically they would go into the community after the war, like they weren't always well received, but after the war, they were more likely to be well received. Just I think people were a bit wary of German prisoners of war in particular, and um, local people. But they'd go out into the community and they'd do jobs like this, or they'd exchange. um So they'd build things in the camp like toys, and they'd exchange it for like a coat or a coffee like this. Right, but where would um, they
0: stay and everything then? What happens when? When oh, the
1: they're still in the camp, though, after the war ends. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's only in 1947 that they start returning back to their right. own countries, because it's all being worked through, really. Um, so after the war, they were allowed to go out. Like, I think they would go out to local families for, like, Sunday dinner or, like, Christmas oh. Day. Uh and they'd often take produce from the farm like vegetables and stuff and have dinner with them mm. and that like, they brought the share and they'd also make like toys for like little girls and i think they made like blankets um and they'd take them out to the families um as like a, an offering for coming for tea and also in exchange for things like coffee and things that they needed oh. um
0: it's quite yeah. nice stories actually Yeah,
1: I know, and there was one story about this. Um, so that's how they built relationships, and one story about this guy who stayed in contact with this family and he returned in like this early 2000s. He returned to Oldham to like visit this family that he'd stayed in contact with for ages. Oh, and there's also another story about a lady who married one of the prisoners of war, right?
0: So I was just thinking about that. I was like, this would make an interesting film
1: yeah so she um he used to go and visit her family and she was like i think she was like a teenager at the time and then they stayed in touch and then they got married right. after the war mm. the prisoner of war so that's quite nice did you get it?
0: to meet any of these people what did you read about this
1: um there's stuff that's been in the newspapers there are so there's two archives that you can go to you can go to london or you can go to Oldham. um and
0: did you go to both
1: yeah there's accounts in all of there.
0: You're um, mo- your distation sounds much better than mine. I'm not surprised you got a first and I didn't.
1: Well, I didn't. I just...
0: Lots of primary sources, lots of uh, in-depth investigation.
1: I just thought that was what you had Good to historian.
0: do. Good historian. Yeah, you did. <laughs> all right, thank you. I didn't do you. that. <laughs> um, I got 2-2, two, two, I just realised, sorry. Not 2-1. Not did I say I got 2-1? I think
1: you just said you didn't get first. Oh, right. I don't know. The grade doesn't matter, man. Matt. Got
0: 2 1 overall, though, didn't I don't know. Is that you what you got? That,
1: are you bitter about your dissertation? <laughs> yeah,
0: anyway, let's move on from that.
1: Right, sorry, I just wanted on this topic. <laughs> no,
0: it's really good. Um,
1: so, there's just examples of people who were pen pals with each other. Um, there's another account from a man born in 1938, and he explained that he used to play with friends in Grenica Cemetery, which is the one across the road.
0: Don't play in cemeteries, kids. Well, they
1: did. Um, <laughs> the him and his friends had strict instructions from parents not to go too far into the cemetery, but obviously they ignored it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, one day they noticed a burial taking place attended by men in uniform and men in dull grey tunics with a coloured material sewn in the back. Um, they were later told that the plot of land was dedicated for the burial of prisoners of war who died in captivity. Oh. So they're in the cemetery seeing a burial. Um, and Glen Mill was located on the far yeah. side of the cemetery. He explained that he and his friends went to explore. They saw the camp, which was a compound of wooden huts surrounded by a barbed wire fence. So that's part, like, obviously there's the mill, but they built extra bits. Yeah, next to it. They got overconfident and shouted, Hail Hitler at the prisoners, until the oh, no. prisoners shouted back and scared them.
0: How do you shout that I the don't prisoner? know.
1: Obviously they're kids, though. Yeah,
0: but... but... Mm, don't shout that. <laughs> um,
1: he also reported that they witnessed more prisoners entering the old cotton mill, Following the war, he and his friends found out that in this mill, prisoners did uh, engineering and carpentry workshops. Which, as I mentioned, they made like little toys and stuff. Yeah. They were very well skilled.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
1: Um. Returning to the area surrounding the camp with his friends, the man explained that they found a massive amount of Nazi coins. They collected hundreds over a number of days and his mother went on to find his stash and he was reprimanded. However, these coins were virtually worthless as in Germany at this time a loaf of bread would cost a million Nazi Deutschmarks. So they're thinking they're really rich.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I imagine now they'd be worth something maybe?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: You know, um, this sort of...
1: This whole story though just sounds like typical kids like Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, they were just exploring.
0: Didn't the they had to bring in the um what was the ne- the next currency? After Can't after Mark. They had to bring in a new currency, didn't it? Because of over inflation and everything. It yeah, yeah. just like, that was completely like in wiped 30s out the though. economies. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So is it when did they bring that in, do you think?
0: I thought that was in the late thirties that they brought in a new
1: Yeah, so it seems unusual that they had this this currency.
0: It says this Oh, the Reichsmark mark was the currency from nineteen twenty four until nineteen forty eight. And it was replaced by the Deutsche Mark.
1: Oh, it must mean the Reichsmark then. I don't really know. No. I, I wouldn't pull up that though that was wrong No, so. I
0: wouldn't have got that as the name of it i thought it was something else um but yeah
1: yeah so well he collected all this money which is just typical boys um as the war ended the camp was filled to capacity and following the war prisoners were given more freedom and security became lax so they could move around the area so this man who's who was a boy and his friends who were older after the war went on to steal german military personnel equipment such as hats and helmets from small huts situated near a fence in disrepair so again they're now a bit older they haven't learned the lesson so they're going into the camp again um it would
0: be it would be exciting though as a kid to explore
1: yeah definitely yeah um and he explained that the camp began to empty when the last of the prisoners were repatriated so mm. they're moving back to their own countries um, and I've just got about... When I interviewed a man about this, he just recalled that prisoners would make wooden toys and they were very high quality. And he recalls prisoners taking these toys with them when they visited local houses. And he remembers prisoners being marched along the streets, all dressed in brown overalls with a symbol on them. So that must be what he reckon, the other guy recognised from the burial. So they're all, he recognised them in dull overalls. Mm-hmm. So they had a symbol, I think, depending on where they were from.
0: Oh, right, okay.
1: Um. And he also remembers the prisoners of war singing and harmonising and that they walked around five miles per day. Oh, I see the guy said they
0: had perfect voices. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so just the end of the report, because I did my um, dissertation on memory of the war. So okay. um, in Oldham there is now no commemoration of the prisoner of war camp um, and the memory of it, of it exists only through archival material and survivor accounts um and stuff on that you can find online but you'd only find it if you're going looking for it yeah um and i was a bit shocked about because i didn't know about this before i started like my history degree mm-hmm. and i just think there were so many people and because we're from oldham and just loads of people like were like oh just from the north like it's not really got a great reputation when i was at uni people used to take the mic of me and I, and from first year i was like i'm gonna do my dissertation on oldham oh, like, really? i was like it was a great place it is a great place um and they all didn't take me seriously, and then I did.
0: I then you got a first, Matthew. Um, um, and how did you come across it then? How did you learn about this? If if it was something you had to look for, did, where oh, did you I can't hear remember.
1: about it? I don't know. Just mm. one day, so I think someone mentioned it to me in passing. Um, we have an, a neighbor as well, and he really helped me out. So he um, he lives around the corner and he's called Arthur and he likes to do a podcast and he's really sweet and he had like the recording of the interview with the little girl who survived the uh, bomb so he had that and he knew loads about this so he took me out in his car and took me to the places um, and showed me everything and then he gave me loads of facts and stuff
0: Hmm.
1: Um, so yeah that's how I found it yeah
0: do you want to finish up? I thought you had something else
1: no, I just was saying that the flying bomb's commemorated through the plaque. Oh right. It's okay. quite small and blue. You would miss it.
0: Yeah. Not seeing it myself.
1: I think it was unveiled in two thousand and fourteen maybe.
0: Oh, recent.
1: Well yeah, it was fifty years on. Yeah.
0: I didn't know most of that. I didn't know we had a prisoner of war camp. Mm-hmm. I knew about the flying bomb because I've been in your house before and it's been mentioned. <laughs>
1: My mum mentioned it the other day.
0: Um no, yeah, thanks. I'm sure lots of people will have learnt more about the great town of Alden.
1: Oh, I hope so. It is really nice. If you ever get the opportunity to come and visit, you should.
0: you got a big question for today?
1: I didn't think of one.
0: How about, instead of a big question, we're doing Matt's Movie Corner?
1: Oh, great decision. Thank
0: you. So, do we need a theme song for um, Matt's Movie Corner?
1: You're looking at me like I know what you're going to do here and I don't.
0: Um, Do you want to do it this time? I came up with that other classic. I'm
1: too nervous. To what? To do the theme song.
0: Matt's Movie Corner. Oh, that sounded nice.
1: That was good.
0: Um, The other one's a bit more upbeat, but that's more like soft jazz. Yeah. Um, I
1: think it suits it though.
0: Well, I've got a couple of films here. Go on. Um, there's a film from 2012 which um, isn't actually about Oldham so I'm cheating a bit right. but it's about the Rochdale pioneers and the Rochdale pioneers Rochdale is obviously the town
1: next door, next door. it's
0: about 30 seconds up the road from here driving not not walking yep. not. um
1: oh, not a long walk either no though. it's
0: not uh released in 2012 it's about um you the um start of the co-op you know, the cooperative, the cooperative. started in mm-hmm. Oldham.
1: Yeah, at Rochelle. Uh,
0: In Rochdale, <laughs> yeah. In 1844. Um, seems interesting. Not seen it myself. Can't recommend it. It's only 57 minutes. Chuck it on. Um, Sounds good,
1: though. Also, speaking of things that were born locally, I can give you some things that were born in Oldham.
0: Yeah, this, okay. Can we go one on one? because Right, okay. Um, you first. Right, Christopher Biggins
1: oh no i didn't mean like people i meant no, things as well both. all right okay tubular bandage
0: oh first test tube baby
1: oh that's my next one yes. philip schofield
0: olivia cook
1: nick grimshaw
0: oh, this is Sanita from coronation Street. saran jones oh that's a good one um i'm struggling um mm, uh, i don't know Brian Cox. Oh, I was thinking Brian Ferry, but I don't think he's from Oldham. Um,
1: Eric Idle's parents. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> um, Sarah Lancaster, another actress.
0: Oh, okay. You're doing well.
1: I know my Oldham. Jim McMahon, our Oh, MP. brilliant. <laughs> um,
0: I've also got a film from Oldham. One Go more on. film. 1979. Have you heard of a man called Richard Gear
1: I have. He's in my favourite film.
0: Born and raised in Oldham.
1: No! <laughs> Guys, that uh, was a joke. <laughs> no.
0: He uh, starred in a film called The Yanks. Oh! Directed by gianna Schlesinger. Schlesinger. That is a tongue twister wow. and a half. 1979 drama film. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave as well. All star cast. And it's set in Northern England in World War II. Yep. Features no combat scenes according to Wikipedia. Just features <laughs> Pure a lot of dramas. Oh, does it? Um, yeah, and it's about it's about romances between um, oh. the U.S. service per- U.S. service personnel and baby local, boom. local women in 1944. So just before. very
1: interesting. Um, did you know? So,
0: and it was obviously the, about the cultural differences between the Yanks, as they were called, and the British local oh, pub- cool. public.
1: So this is still a thing. So when they were filming it, they brought over like loads of cars and like obviously they all dressed up like um, 20th century Americans like yeah. with the pin curls and the cool outfits and all the flowy dresses. So ev- every weekend in Upper... M- every, every, weekend, every weekend? Every they all love it. Every year there's a weekend in <laughs> Upper Mill where they bring through all the Yanks cars and they all oh, dress up cool. like Yanks. It's called Yanks Weekend.
0: Wow, when's that?
1: I think be june or july i don't know it's usually in summer i think um
0: i'll tell you when it is um
1: oh it's august so it's
0: the 11th and 12th of august yeah. i know
1: i went last time they had loads of cool cars i went and stood next to a cadillac
0: oh cool it's close as well i'm get a to chevrolet thing <laughs> a chevrolet thing that's a special chevrolet type yeah, of no, car Yeah, it's it? a good one um
1: but yeah it's cool
0: some good names of people in this film: chick venera that's a good name that is a good name um brilliant yeah so oh yeah it was shot in oldham glossop staley bridges stop putting other genres anyway um that's matt's movie corner that's, oh it was a good thank you good very relevant uh, yeah. i'm just thinking about oh, what i'm moving for next, my next week's topic well maybe you corner. should do
1: a big question or a movie corner yeah, obviously because obviously we skipped the big question i'm this
0: struggling week. to think of one i'm sure i'll have a little thing um so next week i'm i'm doing a topic um and a little hint matt's late hint <laughs> um that was not even a good, <laughs> a good name these, also
1: matt's late <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: late hint um is for next week's topic it's um a little bit further afield mm-hmm. it's about uh you ever heard of a place called japan
1: japan japan, japan. Yeah. Yes. So japan um, oh i'm excited
0: and have you ever heard of the century called the 900s i think about mm, <laughs> uh, no that's not right the 8th yeah, yeah, century ni- no, no no the 900s that's the 10th century but yeah oh yeah the 10th um, century sorry
1: i went the wrong way there yeah
0: so um that's about the
1: about
0: a, a badass female at, oh, at that cool. time so come back and have a little listen i'm to really
1: that. excited i'm Can't excited we?
0: to tell you about it few twists and turns along the way um so thanks for listening um
1: yep you can tweet us if you want it's at idiot history pod send us an email at idiot history at gmail.com um you can have a listen on itunes or podcast apps if you're not already but we're assuming you are um we would appreciate a review if you have time uh five stars would also be nice if you have time um. Tell we'll a s- yeah. Tell a friend. We'll see you at the Learning Festival.
0: Oh yes. And thanks for listening. And yep. come back next week.
1: Have a good week.
0: Yes. Enjoy yourself. Bye. Bye.